This last week we were enjoying our convocation in Indiana. I thought it was probably one of the best convocations I've had. And uh, Bishop uh, Jerry Vinke was our speaker, guest speaker. I know some of you know Brother Jerry Vinke when he was here in the diocese, so he was ordained bishop uh, of Kansas. He's a good friend of Father Jim Schaefer. So unfortunately, Father Jim was not able to come down to Indiana. But we are not happy with the venue in Indiana. Syracuse is, I don't know, the small area down there. Uh, just the facilities were not happy, the food were not happy. Is it? Why did we ever come down to Indiana when we have this beautiful up north that we normally go to every year? So I guess many of us were not happy down in Indiana. Well, Michigan, we beat Indiana yesterday, so that's good. I thought it was one of the most powerful messages that we heard from Bishop Jerry Vinke. Because he was just very personal, very gentle, kind, and yet the wisdom that he brought to us was just amazing. And the two things that I remember was Redemption and prayer. Prayer is nothing more important in life than prayer and redemption. And he brought all kinds of stories of redemption, people's stories that he knew, the saints that he loved to conform to. And it was such a powerful uh, talk that it really made us reflect on God's love and mercy for us. Especially when we fall. Especially when we make mistakes. Especially when we are faced with evil in our own lives. That God loves us so much that he will never deny us. He will always be faithful to us. There, there is no sin greater than God's love. And so in our small groups, we were asked to share what is our redemption story? For each of us. Because you and I know as adults, we go through life, we make mess of our lives. And, but there is always this redemptive love of God that we encounter and we, that would change our lives forever. I'd just like to share a little bit about my own redemption story. 
After I was ordained, 28 years old, I was a young driver, new to driving. And and our roads in Fiji mostly were gravel roads, so I have to get used to driving in the gravel. <laughs> but on this particular New Year's Day, I was using the, the, the parish car to transport a priest who wanted to go to the other island. So I had to bring him down and run back again, taking people to another village. Unfortunately, on the way, some of my friends say, Father, can we get some beer on the road? I said, yeah. So I was a little intoxicated when, after driving after that. And we had a tragic car accident that one of my passengers, the car rolled over, tumbled over rocks and into the sea. One died. And I was unconscious for two days. End up in the hospital. And when I woke up, the first thing that I saw was police all around me, waiting for me to get up to go to court. I said, wow. I've never been to court in my life. This is the scariest thing as I've ever had. And to stand up before people, the operationers, all gathered there, with the Fiji news, a Catholic priest, involved in this tragic accident, killed one of his own passengers, when the judge called all my offenses out, he said, what do you plead, guilty or not guilty? I just want to get rid of coming. Dig a hole drawing down here and hide myself. I said, guilty. And then he was kind of very kind with me and he said, I will give you a month to look for a lawyer to help you in your case. That lawyer became my messiah. He fought for my case. He challenged the prosecutor I told my lawyer before the big court case, if I end up in prison, this will be the end of my priesthood. And he promised me, Father, I will fight for you. And no, you will never end up in prison. And he did. He was one of the best lawyers in Fiji at that time. He fought for my case. I was freed, lost my license, no more driving. And then I had to go back to the rectory. I came to the rectory. The pastor was so mad with me because I destroyed the car. 
that he kicked me out of the rectory. I had nowhere to go. Fortunately, I had a friend, a brother, a friend, a mother's brother, who took me to his home. I hid in his home. I didn't want to see anyone. I was no longer performing mass. Don't even want to pray. I was just hiding there, waiting for another month to appear in court. This went on for two years. When I was rejected from there, they sent me to another parish. And the parish council decided to take me back to seek reconciliation with the priest and the parishioners. Took us two, two days by boat to come from that parish to our home parish. But when we came, he did not accept us. Three times that evening, we asked to meet with him. He had no time for us. We went back home feeling rejected and even felt worse. I thought this was the end of my priesthood. Fortunately, I had an Irish priest who came along. Was looking for a local priest to work with him in the renewal in Fiji. He asked, and he was told there's nobody else available except Kusi. You have to go and ask him if he wants to join you. I said, yes, I'll join you. But I'm broken. And he said, don't worry, we'll work together to help you. So we did marriage encounter, we did parish renewal weekends, we did projects for the youth, and that was helping me, my conversion experience, to get back. And this was where I encountered this God of mercy, the God who was waiting for me, who was always there, that people may have denied me, rejected me, but this God was always there. And that was my experience. To fall in love with God, so merciful. Changed my life. And now 37 years, still glad to be a priest to be here with you. In our readings today, we hear the story of Naaman. Naaman was affected with leprosy, was told that he has to go to Israel to find healing. He went to Israel, found healing, and he was so changed by this, not only physically changed, his whole faith life changed, that he now believes that there is only one God, the God of Israel. 
And he asks Elisha the prophet, can I give you a gift? Because he brought a lot of gold and silver with him. Elisha said, no, I won't take it. And then Naaman said, well, can you give me two mule loads of soil of Israel so that when I go back to my home, I will no longer worship on foreign soil, but I will want to worship the God of Israel on the soil of Israel every day of my life. Because Naaman has come to encounter this God of mercy. In the gospel, 10 people were healed. Only one decided to go back to the healer. What happened to the other nine? The one who went back knew that he was healed, but he has experienced the God of love, the God of mercy, that he wants to go back to worship his God, to worship Jesus who has healed him of his leprosy, to encounter his mercy, his love of God. Another person that I'd like to share with you is redemption story is Dr. Bernard Nathanson, founder of NARAL and the former head of the largest abortion provider in the world. He had an amazing conversion story. He said, at the end of the two years that I was the director of the Center for Reproductive and Sexual Health in Manhattan, we had done 60,000 abortions. During my life, I myself, with my own hands, have done 5,000 abortions. I have supervised another 10,000 that residents have done under my direction. So I have 75,000 abortions in my life. And those are pretty good credentials to speak on the subject of abortion. He continues his story. We fed the public a line of deceit, dishonesty, a fabrication of statistics and figures. We succeeded because the time was right and the news media cooperated. We sensationalized the effects of illegal abortions and fabricated polls which indicated that 85% of the public favored unrestricted abortion when we knew it was only 5%. We unashamedly lied and yet our statements were quoted by the media as though they had been written in law. 
A favorite pro-abortion tactic is to insist that the definition of when life begins is impossible. That the question is a theological or moral or philosophical one, anything but scientific one. Fetology makes it undeniably evident that life begins at conception and requires all the protection and safeguards that any of us enjoy. As a scientist, I know, not believe, I know that human life begins at conception. This is part of the conversion story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And he was searching for healing. And he was amazed by the people who were praying before pregnancy centers. Amazed that these people are here not to pray for themselves. They are pray praying for the women, for the unborn children, for the doctors, for the nurses, that they are concerned about what is happening, the evil that is ha that are happening in all these pregnancy centers. That changed his life, the power of prayer. And he was searching for religion, for a God who will be able to forgive what he has done in his own hands. And he found this through the guidance of an Opus Dei priest in New York. By his guidance, he searched through the Old Testament, was not happy. But when he came to the New Testament, and he said, the God of the New Testament was the God that changed everything for him. That was when he encountered the mercy, the love of Jesus. He cannot believe that there is a God who will be able to wash away the sins that he has committed in his life. He became a Catholic. He became a pro-life guy fighting for the right of the unborn. This is Dr. Bernard Nathanson. You and I, we all have our redemption stories. In my 37 years as a priest, I've encountered so many women who have gone through abortions, who've been living with regrets all their lives, and they've been healed through the power of the mercy of Jesus, the sacrament of reconciliation. In the Eucharist, the power of prayer changes lives. Dear brothers and sisters, today, let us pray for our state. Let us pray for our nation. Because we have in our face today, a proposal that will either destroy lives
And you and I, we have to fight like heaven for the sake of these little children. They are not fetuses. They are babies. They are alive. Human beings alive. Sacred to God. Every human life is sacred to God. So let us pray. And I'd just like to quote what Dr. Bernard said at the end when he was converted. He said, I will be free from sin for the first time in my life. I will feel the shelter and the warmth of God's mercy, God's love in the person of Jesus Christ. I will feel the shelter and the warmth of faith and God's love. May God bless you all.